suffer no fool's writing persona that skewered subjects from one-time idol Dorothy Parker to the staff of Gourmet Magazine with bullseye precision. Back then, especially if you were a powerful media entity, or a ridiculous man, or a conventionally beautiful woman who complained about the downside of being born conventionally beautiful, you wanted to stay on Nora's good side and out of her line of vision. Later, when Nora turned her attention to filmmaking, she relied on her fierce wit and nimble social maneuvering to navigate the high highs and low lows of a male-dominated industry where women's stories typically play second fiddle. Though generous of spirit, she had the capacity to smear reputations and steer public opinion away from objects of her disapproval. And since she gave her point of view decisively and with such confidence, you took her word for it. You looked to Nora's bullshit detector to give it to you straight. Nora, like a proto-Taylor Swift, channeled heartbreak into pop art with an autobiographical novel, Heartburn, exposing the bitter end of her second marriage to Watergate journalist Carl Bernstein. The film version, starring Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson, would be her last cinematic take on divorce. In a stark turnaround, her public image began to crystallize into a new Nora, someone who embraced the fantasy that a pair of perfect strangers, or mortal enemies, could be so M-F-E-O. During the irony-drenched 1990s, when star-driven romances thrived anew, she found the ideal screen couple in two genre powerhouses whose sweet and tart sensibilities translated to sizzling chemistry. Emerging of minds. Tom, an unlikely leading man who gained his sex appeal through clever delivery instead of a chiseled jaw, and Meg, a gifted actress trapped in the vessel of a Disney princess, forever struggling to earn the respect Tom came by effortlessly. In hindsight, casting Meg as Sally Albright, her breakthrough role, was obvious. Faking the orgasm at Katz's Deli? Meg's idea. But other actresses turned down the part before she got to audition. On Sleepless, Nora initially doubted whether Tom, in career flux, had what it took to sweep Meg off her feet. On Mail, Meg expressed wariness toward playing adorable bookstore owner Kathleen Kelly. What changed her mind? And more importantly, what was an edgy up-and-coming comic named Dave Chappelle doing in a turtleneck? This is the story of how Nora and her collaborators shed inhibition to redefine the romantic comedy genre in a way that felt Utterly new, wry, knowing, and urbane, but with an unabashed idealistic streak as well. And in the process, she came to also reshape the popular perception of the city she so loved. New York was just as much a character in her films as any of the romantic leads were, and her dialogue and cinematography betrayed her deep adoration of the town. Recall the moment at a cozy Upper West Side cafe where shop girl, Rose, tucked inside her well-worn copy of Pride and Prejudice, nervously awaited NY152 to walk through the door. I hear nothing, not even a sound on the streets of New York, just the beat of my own heart. I have mail from you. Nothing.
not least the city itself, would ever be the same again. Chapter One It Was a Sign Was the script trying to tell her something? Suddenly, it all made sense. Her husband, she suspected, had been having an affair. She, Nora Ephron, had been duped. Read this said J. Preston Allen, the Academy Award-nominated writer, offering a screenplay by Frederick Raphael, who wrote the 1965 drama Darling. You'll like it. Nora was in New York, her adopted hometown, to meet Allen, a sharp-witted Texan who wrote her way out of her ho-hum first marriage to win prestige credits on scripts for Fosse's Cabaret, Hitchcock's Marnie, and the Broadway and big-screen adaptations of The Prime of Miss Jean Brody which